This is Orson Welles on the Air, featuring the old-time radio performances of the legendary Orson Welles. Welcome back to Orson Welles on the Air. We've got more from the lives of Harry Lyme for you this time. The series produced in the early 1950s as a prequel to the Third Man movie. The episode we'll hear is titled Blue Bride. This one aired October 19, 1951. Presenting Orson Welles as the third man. The Lives of Harry Lyme. The fabulous stories of the immortal character originally created in the motion picture The Third Man. With zither music by Anton Karras. Here's a little anecdote taking place in the city of Bordeaux. It has to do with a phase of my hectic career, which was almost exclusively a chase. I was a big boy by then, but there's a school teacher in the story all the same. His name was Professor Saint-Pierre. He didn't mean any harm, but he caused me plenty before it was over. Orson Welles as Harry Lyme, the third man in Blue Bride. Now, this little cautionary tale took place oh, a couple of years ago in the French port of Bordeaux. I'd taken lodgings above one of the choicest dives that the place has to offer. <laughs> The proprietress was an enormous woman called affectionately by the sailors, La Grosse Fifi, a formidable female if I ever saw one. I found the location a convenient base for certain of my business transactions. I'd circulated a rumor that I was writing a book about the waterfront. Unfortunately, Saint-Pierre got wind of it. Evidently, La Grosse Fifi mistook the little teacher for one of my uh, clients and let him up. I was going over some accounts when there was a knock on my door. Who is it? Professor Saint-Pierre from the lycée. I desire very much to speak with you. Saint-Pierre? Who are you? Please, it is of the utmost importance. I will not take up much of your time. Okay, okay, what is it? Ah, those papers on your desk. Notes for your book, no doubt. Oh, yes, yes, matter of fact, they are. Just gather them up and put them away. Oh, no, please, I do not mean to interrupt your work, mon cher Dr. Lyme. 
I have long thought that some scholar should write a book on the waterfront of our beloved Bordeaux. Or such a wealth of material, the mixture mm. of dialects, the different racial strains, yes, the yes. songs and stories of the sailors. I cannot tell you how happy I am that someone like yourself has the time to devote to this project. Well, that's very kind of you, I'm sure. Uh, Dr. Lyme, with all the deference to a scholar like yourself, I must make a confession. I'm only a humble teacher, but for many years, I have dreamed of doing just what you are engaged oh, in. Really, really. I wanted to write a book about the waterfront of Bordeaux. Well, why don't you? I have neither the time nor the money. All winter, I must teach at the BC. Mm. During the summer months, I act as a tutor to make a little extra. Oh, you do, yes. Uh, I would like you to have the use of these notes of mine here. I have them in my briefcase. Uh, many hundreds of pages. You see, language is my speciality, and I have noted down specimens of all the different uh, dialects to be found here. I see. Uh, yes. I would like you to have them here. Well, that's very, I'm, I'm very indebted to you, Professor. Uh, Professor Saint-Pierre, uh, here is you. my yes. card. Thank you. I'll return your notes when I, when I finish with them. And now I hate to seem rude. Uh, uh, of course, Professor I understand. You, you are anxious <clears throat> to get on with your work. <laughs> what is that noise? It, it seems to be coming from yeah. over our heads. Sounds like someone on the roof. Uh, making repairs, I guess. It seems strange to be making repairs at night. Are you uh, sure it is? Yes, yes, it's, it's nothing to worry about, old man. Uh, now, good night, Professor Saint-Pierre. You really must excuse me. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, there is just one more thing. Uh, I hesitate to mention it. Qu'est-ce que c'est? The professor jumped out of the way just in time. The body of a man half fell, half jumped into the room, landing crumpled at our feet. Qu'est-ce que c'est? Who is this man? Oh, uh, uh, it's uh, one of the workmen around the place. I'm, I'm afraid he's been hurt. Yes, there is blood on his head. I think we should get a doctor. I, I wonder if you could... Yes, yes, a doctor, of course. I will go right away. That's very, very good. I'll do what I can for him in the meantime. <laughs> Thanks very much, old man. Good. Now, now, I'll get up, you fool. You're not hurt. Raoul, Raoul, you hear me? When I ran, they shot it. Are you hit? No, but Just a hit. cut from the glass. We'll fix it later. You live. Not that you deserve to. Fifi! Fifi, viens ici! Come up here. Oui, chérie. Raoul's in here. Had a little accident. But how did he? Oh, the skylight. You will pay for the glass. Yes, yes, I'll pay for the glass. He's dead? No, he's not dead, only resting. Now, here's what I want you to do for me. You know that little man who just left here? Uh, oui, the little one. Yes, he's coming back in a few minutes, and you are not to let him in here. Do you understand? Oui, monsieur, I understand. Good. If he tries to come up again, I will crack a bottle over his head. Fifi, I adore you. All right, Raoul, now tell me what this is all about. Did anyone follow you? Yes, but I lost him six blocks away. I was afraid of the street, so I took to the goofs. I had to hide somewhere, you so picked, I came here. You picked a fine time. What happened? Did you get into another fight? I told you, old man, any more brawling, and our deal is off. This time it was no fight. Barra knows about us. Barra? Commissaire of police. How could he know? Talk, you fool. Talk! Please, monsieur, do not shake me, my head. You'll be worse off if you don't tell me. How do you know Barat knows? Are you sure? Oui, monsieur. I pass for the 5,000 franc notes myself. We have so many. Oh, no, please. Ah. It's that little Marianne. She kept wanting me to buy her. Idiot, I gave you orders that none of that money was to be used in France. But for a man to carry that much money around and not to be able to use just a little, oh. I never thought. And today the shopkeeper turned in an alarm, and before I knew it, listen, I am being chased. Listen, old man, another stunt like this, and the police won't have to chase you. Now, get out. I'll call you when I want you. Go over and wash the blood off. Barat, the only man I really was scared of in the whole city of Bordeaux. Barat, the young, dynamic commissar of police. 
He had a reputation for tenacity and integrity which made jobs like mine very far from easy. You see, I was in competition with the French government. We were both printing money. I was selling my currency to the sailors and traders on the way to French West Africa where chances of detection were much less. In a few days, I had an appointment with a trader on his way down there, which promised to be my biggest deal. But how much did this man Barat know? I had to find out. I made some inquiries. I can't understand how a girl like you can be satisfied to be just a maid. Why, with your looks and intelligence and personality, you should be on the stage. On the stage? Mm, on the stage. No, I will tell you one thing, Harry. If I were on the stage, I would be better than she ever was. I never saw her, but to hear her talk sometimes, you would think she was greater than Yvonne Printemps. Hmm? Who's this? Her, my mistress, of course. Madame Sophie Barat. Is she an actress? Well, she was before she married Monsieur Barat. She went by the name of Sophie Avant, but if you ask How me... long have you worked for Madame Barat? Uh, only since she was married two months ago. Only two months ago, and she's still a bride. Oh, not a very happy one. Sometimes I do feel sorry for her. It is terrible. Well, Pauline, what's terrible? Does he beat her? No, he does nothing. Oh. All the time. It is work, work, work. That is what she said to him last night. I heard them as I was clearing the table. That's all I ever hear. Oh, I'm sorry, darling. We never go anywhere together. Half the time, we do not even dine together. Is this the way you treat your bride? Sometimes I'm not even sure that you love me. Ah, no, Sophie, this is not fair. Would I have married you if I did not love you? You see, you are raising your voice to me already. But I am only trying... I am only trying to tell you that I must have loved you or I would not... Ah, how you speak in the past. This means you no longer love me in the present. Oh, but I do, I do, my little one. Uh, come here. George. Now do you believe me? Mais oui, George. George? Yes, my sweet. Perhaps we could go somewhere this evening. Somewhere with music and just a few people and then walk home slowly together just as we used to walk last spring in Paris. Oh, I wish, I wish we could, but I have to go over some reports. Now you make me angry. George. You think you can set my mind at ease with only one kiss? Don't, but... A kiss that doesn't take up more than a few seconds of your official no, time. No, no, Sophie, you've got to try to understand. There are some things which I cannot entrust to anyone else, and this is one of them. A vicious ring of counterfeiters has evidently descended on Bordeaux. We almost caught him in today, but he disappeared down near the waterfront. But next time, we will not fail. <laughs> Meantime, I must try to trace the bills to their source. This is all very well, but it seems to me that you are more concerned with your work than you are with your poor wife. Oh, you refuse to understand. You also refuse to understand. You even refuse to tell the truth. You say you love me, and you, you want to be with oh. me, and then you... Oh, I don't want to hear anymore. I, I'm going to the office. No, George, George. So you see how it is, Harry? Mm. I hope you never treat me like this. <laughs> don't worry about that, Shirley. You do not find this a depressing marriage? No, I can't say that I do. In fact, I find it quite inspiring. You have a good ear, Pauline, old girl. I... I can almost hear them talking. Well, listening is the only thing that makes it interesting to be a maid. You know, you're a very bright girl, even brighter than I thought. Supposing I put you and your packages into a cab from here. Taxi! Oh, but maids do not ride in cabs. Oh, they do when they have money here. Close your warm little hand around this. Oh, Harry, so much. Not as much as you deserve. Au revoir, my dear. Keep those pink little ears open, and tomorrow, if you have some information for me... I'll give each one of those pink little ears a little kiss. Oh, Harry! <laughs> <laughs>
Orson Welles returns in just a moment as the third man. Wells, as the third man continues with The Blue Bride. Back at Le Trois-Rois, Fifi told me that a gentleman was waiting in the back room. This proved to be the venerable blackguard who went by the aristocratic name of Captain Dominique de Chateaubriand. Captain was engaged in trade with the natives of French West Africa. It was on him that I hoped to unload a large amount of my counterfeit stock. Ah, Monsieur Lyme. Enchanté de vous voir. Enchanté. What can I do for you, Captain? As you know, I am dealing with some natives in the interior. Some missionaries have told them the value of their merchandise, which I used to buy for next to nothing. Now they want cash in return for their goods and ivory. If your money is as good as I hear it is, they will be quite happy with it. Mm. <laughs> Until they try to spend it, of course. Uh, but by that time, I, I will be well out of the way. Clever uh, man. You agree with me, Monsieur Lyon? Entirely. Lyme? I should be happy to be of service. Bon. Uh, what is your denomination? Well, that sounds like a personal question. I mean, how large are the counterfeit bills? Uh, Five thousand franc notes. Uh, may I see one, please? Sure, sure. I have one here. Mm-hmm. Ooh, very good. Oh, uh, good enough for the purpose, anyway. How many will you need? I will need at least uh, 50,000 of these notes. Well, that's a lot of money, Captain. It's more than I have with me, in fact, but I can get the rest from my source in Paris if you can wait a week or so. Yes, yes, I can wait. If you will guarantee to have it here within a week, uh, and at a regular rate. Agreed. Très bien, monsieur. Au revoir, monsieur. Au revoir, Captain. For this big deal in the offing, it became necessary to throw Barat off the trail for at least a week or so. So the next morning, I found out from my little friend Pauline that Madame Barat spent most of her lonely afternoons sitting by herself in a small cafe known as La Vée Rouge. That afternoon, I happened to be sitting in La Vée Rouge when she arrived. So I went over to a table and tipped my hand. Uh, pardon, but are you not uh, Madame Sophie Avant of the stage? Why, yes, monsieur, I am. But how did you know my name? Ah, I've, I've often admired your work. Uh-huh. Yes. But alas, I never had the courage to come backstage and meet you much as I wanted to. Well, this is marvelous. To find someone who actually remembers my name and face. Well, it's not a face to forget easily, Mademoiselle Avant. Uh, I am Madame now, Monsieur Madame Parra. Uh, I beg your pardon, I did not know. Oh, that's quite all right. Won't you, won't you sit down? Well, well, just a minute, yes, I, if I'm not intruding. Now, now tell me, what shows did you see me in? Uh, first, let me ask you a question, if you'll forgive me. What are you doing in Bordeaux? You, whom I always imagine surrounded by the bright lights and all the gaiety of Paris. Ah, I came here with my husband. This is his home. Oh, I see. He is a commissaire of police of Porto. Hmm, you don't say. It must be a very interesting job. Ah, for him it is interesting. For me it is dull. Oh, I don't quite follow. Oh, I have no right to talk this way to a stranger. But don't forget that I am a stranger who has known you. 
I've been interested in you for a long, long time. Oh, it is not fair to burden you with my troubles, but today I am, how you say, blue. Oh, a blue bride, eh? Well, if I can help in any way. Oh, monsieur, I'm so unhappy. I do not know what to do or where to turn. Are you sure your husband loves you, madame? Oh, yes, I'm sure of that. Hmm. And I know I love him, but unless something is done right away, the marriage will not last. Does it mean enough to you to try to save it? Oh, yes, yes. Well, you're young and beautiful. You should be able to lure any man away from his duty. Uh, but my husband is not any man, monsieur. Nonsense, nonsense. All you lack is confidence. You need to feel more sure of yourself. And believe me, madame, you have every right to. Uh, but what can it I do? It seems to me that the only hope for both of you is to get away from Bordeaux for a while. Away from everything that reminds him of his work. Mm. Surely he has competent assistance to whom he can turn things over for at least a week or oh, so. I don't see how I can get him to come away. We have even had to postpone our honeymoon last spring because he was so busy. Well, then there's your answer. A honeymoon trip. And the sooner the oh, better. But I know he won't leave his work, especially right now. He will if you force the issue once and for all. And if his marriage means anything to him. What do you mean, force the issue? I mean, suppose you packed your bags. We're ready to leave, with or without him. Tell him if there's no honeymoon, you're on your way back to Paris for good. In a day or so, you and your husband will be enjoying a nice little cruise somewhere, oh, believe me. That sounds wonderful. How I wish it could come it, true. Well, it can come true. If only you won't lose your courage. But I don't really want to leave him, even if he will not do what I want. But you've got to make him believe that you would actually leave. Do you think I can? My dear Sophia, you are an actress, are you not? Of course I am. Of course you I'll are. do it. I'll do it this very evening. Oh, monsieur, I can't tell you how grateful I am to oh, you. Oh, no, please. And now I must go home and make preparations. Uh, uh, look out, it started to rain again. Do you have an umbrella? Oh, no, I ran out of the house without one. Here, take mine. Oh, no, I could. Oh, I insist. Oh, thank you, monsieur. You are a true friend. Au revoir. Au revoir, madame. And I wish you both much happiness. were going well. The next morning, Pauline told me that Monsieur and Madame Barat had suddenly decided to take a little trip. They were leaving the next day for a week or so. Believe me, I breathed a sigh of relief. The day after their scheduled departure on their overdue honeymoon, I got a wire from Paris. I was to pick up a shipment of money from a carrier who'd arrived shortly at the airport. So I met the carrier, picked up the suitcase full of phony 5,000 franc notes and hailed a cab. Sail passed. I tried another, no luck. I started to walk back toward the city. I didn't know at the time that in a black police limousine not far away, a conversation something like this was going on. Oh, Georges, I'm so happy. <laughs> Soon we'll really be alone together. Uh, I must confess, I am not sorry you forced me into this position. I am happy myself. This little <laughs> vacation will be so good for us both. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, there he is. Hmm? There who is? It is he, the kind gentleman from the cafe. I don't even know his name, but we owe everything to him. But I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, please, George, let's stop. I must speak to him for just a moment. Oh, you, you mean the man with the suitcase? Yes, yes. But he's going in the other direction. Oh, don't wait a minute. We have time. Oh, please, George, it means so much to me. Have the driver turn around and follow him. Oh, I don't know what feminine madness this is, but today I can refuse you nothing. Oh, it's not madness. I just want to say a few words with him and return the piece of his property. Pauline put it among your things by mistake. Oh, right, all right. Uh, Duclos, turn around and follow the man with the suitcase. Call him. Call him. Maybe he'll stop. Hey, you with the suitcase. Stop. Oh, he's only walking faster. Oh, can't we get through this traffic somehow? Uh, the sooner the better. Duclos, turn on the sign. I heard the voice shouting at me to stop. 
I could only think of getting away, naturally. And then when I heard the siren, that was the end. I turned a corner quickly and started to run. After all, when one is carrying a fortune and counterfeit bills and a police car with a siren is close behind, I cut across a little park. I get to the other side in time, I might be able to throw them off. But just then... Oh, 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 I ran monsieur. smack into a little man in a white suit. The heavy bag I was carrying threw me off balance for a minute, long enough for him to grab me by the lapels. With a broad smile, I saw to my dismay that it was the ever-helpful Professor Saint-Pierre. Ah, Dr. Lyme, how fortunate that I should run into uh, you. Yes, Although yes, it was really you who ran mm. into me, huh? That is a yes, joke. Yes, yes, huh? a very funny joke. I'm in a hurry. I'm officer. But I want to ask you about that poor workman who fell through the roof the other uh, night. Uh, uh, not how is he? Uh, it's fine. Let me leave. If I could be of any financial help to them, or no, if there is anything I can uh, do you, for you. You can get out of my way. Dr. Lyme, I am surprised at you. I know you are a busy man, but... I pushed him roughly out of my way and ran on. But valuable seconds have been lost. I reached the other side of the parking. I called, taxi, taxi! A long black car rounded the corner. I recognized it in time and started to run again. I ran up the steps of a large building. I realized it was the public library and decided to seek refuge there. But the weight I was carrying made me trip on one of the stone steps. And I lost my balance and the suitcase went flying. Skinned my knee and my... Palms of my hands were all bruised. An old man insisted on helping me to my feet, fussing over me. My suitcase had rolled down the steps. The old man chased it. I couldn't wait. The only thing in my mind at the moment was escape. I have an aversion to French jails. I ran up to the big brass doors at the top of the steps. Just as I reached the entrance, a uniformed guard was stretching a metal grill work across it. He was most polite. Sorry, monsieur, but library hours are over for today. You will have to wait until tomorrow. I ran down the steps again. In a cold sweat, I hurried into the street, heard the shriek of brakes, and I'd been narrowly missed by a truck. I hurried on, ran smack into the arms of a traffic policeman. The gendarme held my arm firmly and stopped the truck to ball out the driver. What's the matter with you? Didn't you see this man? You almost killed him. Madame, sir, he's... He's swear against you, not against him. You're a menace to pedestrians, this poor man here. Let me see uh, your please, license. Please, officer, it's quite all Taking right. Taking your pardon, monsieur, but I am here to protect your rights. Very These kind fellows must be taught a lesson. So I was forced to stand there with a policeman in the middle of the busy street while he abraded the driver. The siren grew closer and closer. When the gendarme finally released me and I reached the other side of the street, another whistle blew. Hey, hold that man! In a flash, I felt the gendarme's hand on my arm again, and we were standing beside the big black police car. <laughs> well, sir, you give us a merry chase. Hmm? What was all the hurry? Why, uh, Why did you run away, monsieur? You? Yes, it is I, whom you advised in the cafe, you remember? Oh. I saw you from the car, and I wanted to say thank you and give you this, your umbrella. My, my umbrella? Yes, you lent it to me that day. Oh. Uh, now perhaps you will explain your anxiety to avoid us, hmm? Well, uh, uh, the, this is very embarrassing, really, especially since this is a police car. <laughs> you see, it was the siren. I have a phobia about sirens. Ever since I was a child and had to run from a burning house, I've had this same unreasoning fear. No matter how much I analyze it, it's, it's something I just can't control. I have to run. <laughs> yes, I feel like a fool, but that's the way it is. Every time there's a fire in the neighborhood, I have one of these same running fits. Oh. All sirens sound alike to me, oh, you see. Oh, I see. How yeah. unfortunate. What is this? What happens oh. here? Professor Saint-Pierre. I saw you from the other side of the street and I came over to see what was the matter. Oh, very bonjour, kind of you. Ah, bonjour, Saint-Pierre. Do, do you know these men? Oh, indeed I do. This is Dr. Lyme, the scholar who is here in Bordeaux doing research for a book. Oh, yes, that's right. Oh, yes, uh, an eccentric scholar. Yes, eccentric All scholar. scholars yes, are yes. eccentric. <laughs> well, perhaps you are right. <laughs> this was a stroke of luck. For once, the helpful professor really helped. He continued to talk to Barat about me until the policeman's suspicions abated. 
I was finally able to say my goodbyes and start walking away from the group when Sophie Barat called after me. Monsieur, you had a suitcase. I must have dropped it. Oh, well, wait. We will help you to find oh, it. Oh, no. Oh, no, don't bother. I'll get it. returns in just a moment. running again. I glanced back over my shoulder just in time to see the old man gesticulating excitedly over the suitcase and holding up a fat packet of franknotes. I can imagine that Barat's fury when he realized that he let the prize slip through his fingers was equaled only by Sophie's when she realized the identity of her friendly family counselor. I wonder whether she ever got her honeymoon. I heard the siren again in a few seconds, but this time I made good my head start. And as the sun sank over the sea, I bade farewell to beautiful Bordeaux, to my beautiful little waterfront business, and to the beautiful Blue Bride.
That's it for this episode of Orson Welles on the air. You can find more Orson Welles, more old-time radio at relicradio.com. You'll also find links there to our forum, Shoutcast Stream, and everything else, Relic Radio. It's also a donate button if you'd like to help support this and all the shows. That's how this is all made possible. Thank you, as always, to those who have, and thanks for joining me today. Watch again soon with another episode of Orson Welles on the air. Orson Welles on the air is produced by and for relicradio.com. Rebroadcast of this show without permission is strictly prohibited.